Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more for way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long for just $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash ConcertWeek to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash ConcertWeek to buy now. Worn by players like Michael Harris to meet the demand of elite ball players, the New Balance Fuel Cell 4040 V7 is a versatile option. The 4040 V7 is built for the athlete who needs responsiveness and ability to cut and run at their full speed. The model features a fuel cell foam underfoot and a synthetic and mesh upper to provide breathability, comfort, and a snug fit as you round the bases. The fuel cell midsole features nitrogen-infused foam specifically designed to propel athletes forward. Learn more about the 4040 at newbalance.com. Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. Oh, and first pitch crushing! Got a fantasy question? Email fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Where fantasy becomes reality. Now, here's Frank, Scott, and Chris. Hello, and welcome to Fantasy Baseball Today. It is August 6th. You're probably listening to this on August 7th. I'm Chris Towers, filling in for Frank Stample with Scott White. Scott, how was your weekend? It was great, Chris. What about yours? I, I had a busy... Frank and I both went to concerts this weekend. I'm assuming you didn't go to any concerts this I weekend. Did not. Is that a safe assumption? That is a safe assumption, yes. Uh, Frank is at Metallica tonight. I think he saw them on Friday as well. That's his favorite band, so that makes sense. I went and saw Fish, the band, not the Sea Creatures, mm-hmm. uh, on Friday. That is not my favorite band. I was my mom's not. favorite band. She's seen uh. them 180 times. I saw them for the second time. Uh, it was it was fine. It was fun. You know, people really like that band. They seen them 180 times apparently. Uh, that was fine. So yeah, yeah. That, that was how I, my weekend went. And now I'm you know filling in for Frank, hosting the Sunday show, the toughest show of the week. And uh, I think it'll be fine, Scott. I think it'll be fine. Too. Can you give me your best impersonation of a baseball game announcer who just witnessed something extraordinary? Perhaps they might say, oh, my goodness gracious. Yeah. Oh, my goodness gracious. That's a there specific we go. announcer. Go- oh, my goodness gracious player of the weekend for you, Scott. Yes. Is. It is the talk of the weekend as far as I'm concerned. And that is Davis Schneider. Now, Who? Davis Schneider, I said. Now, maybe you haven't heard of Davis Schneider. I wouldn't blame you. I did feature him in one edition of the Prospects Report a couple months ago. So I was kind of vaguely familiar with him because of that. And anyone who read it hopefully was too. Um, But this was not a particularly big name prospect in the Blue Blue Jays organization. They called him up. He started all three games of the weekend at second base. And all he did was go nine for 13 with two home runs. He became the first player in major league history to have nine hits and two home runs in his first three games. Actually, Davis Schneider did. So 
he made a name for himself, at least in that way, I would say. Now, the follow-up, for our purposes, is Davis Schneider any good? <laughs> well, he's he interesting. Did up, he did put up some good numbers at AAA. He slashed 275, 416, 553. 21 homers in 87 games. His exit velocities at AAA were pretty blah. No, not fine. It's like 89 terrible. miles per hour, average exit velocity, 95. It's pretty average. Pretty average. High fly ball rate, high pull rate. That is a way to get the most out of modest exit velocities, as we've seen from countless players over the years. And, you know, I mentioned he reached base at a 416 clip despite hitting 275. He owes that to an 18.4% walk rate mm-hmm. versus a 21.9% K rate. So good plate discipline. He showed at AAA along with the ability to pull the ball air in the air well and maximize his power that way. He's only five foot nine. So it makes sense that, you know, he, he would have to rely on that sort of trick rather than just muscling up the ball. Uh, he's capable of playing positions other than second base, kind of bounced around the infield in the minors uh, and, you know, it's, it seems like the Blue Jays, like I said, they start them all three games, even with Whit Merrifield. Batted, batted third on Sunday. They sent him to the, there you go. So they are, uh, they are loving this guy. I don't think we need to go overboard bidding on him. I, I put in some modest bids in my rotisserie leagues. I, I don't, like I said, getting him in the lineup required them to send Whit Merrifield to the outfield. So I don't know. I don't know how firm his grip is on that job for starters. And, you know, secondly, uh, if, if you're, if you are putting the ball in the air a lot without much raw power, it's going to lead to some his, his decent share of flyouts. I mean, that's probably mm-hmm. why he was hitting 275 at triple a. So what's that going to translate to in the majors? Hard to say exactly, but I would guess less than 275. Uh, so, yeah. so I, yeah, I guess, like, who should we drop him for? I don't know. I mean... Oh, so here's one. Okay. Uh, Josh Young did leave Sunday's game with a fractured left thumb. He, We don't know how long he's going to be out. They haven't given us a timetable, but it seems reasonable to assume that this is going to be a pretty lengthy uh, absence. I would be surprised if it was less than a month. If he needs surgery, you're probably looking at... Close to the end of the season, unfortunately. Josh Young obviously having a very, very good breakout season, so that comes really bad timing. Here's one. Would you rather have... They play different positions, although they will both likely be second base eligible shortly. Would you rather, rather have Zach Geloff or uh, David Schneider? Unless you specifically need stolen bases, I'd, I'd rather roll the dice on Schneider at this point. They both do that same trick of maximizing their mm-hmm. modest exit velocities for power. But Geloff's been striking out a ton and it's in a terrible lineup. And I mean, he has been pretty good with the five home runs, five steals already, but I'm, I'm just not sold on Geloff. I think I'd, I think I'd roll the dice on Schneider. Interesting. Okay. I, I actually like Geloff quite a bit. His minor league numbers were decent, not as good as Schneider's. Uh, this season at AAA, but still pretty good. But yeah, it's he's 10% rostered right now. Should he be 
rostered in all 12 team Roto leagues. Geloff? No, Schneider. Oh, Schneider. Yeah. Um, all 12 team Roto leagues. Probably. Yeah, I would say so with that extra points leagues? spot. No, I don't think in points leagues. I think I just don't think there's enough lineup spots to fill given and, and there are just so many other more attractive hitters out there that I it, it'd take a while to go down the list before I got to Schneider. All right. Most uh, rostered third baseman or most added third baseman and Luis Renhifa. Would you rather have Schneider or Renhifa? Schneider. Would you rather have Jamer Candelario is much more highly rostered. He's 85%. You'd rather have him, right? Yeah, of course. What about Jake Berger? He's up 9% uh, to 56%. Yeah, I would say Berger. What about, would you drop Alec Bohm, who had a home run this weekend, but overall is just kind of a guy? Well, he's been great the last two months, at least in terms of batting average. So, mm-hmm. no, I can't, I can't see myself swapping out Bohm for Schneider. But like a J.D. Davis, sure. you know, his, his roster rate's probably up near 50% still. Like, that seems like an easy swap to make. How about this one? Another guy who got the call made his first major league start on Friday. Curtis Mead, Tampa Bay Rays prospect, pretty big deal. Started two or three games, came into one as a pinch hitter, went one for 10, but he was hitting 291 with a 379 OBP, 453 slugging percentage at AAA. He's a big deal, big prospect. Would you rather have him or Davis Schneider? See, I don't think the Rays actually respect how big of a prospect Curtis Mead is, <laughs> given the way they've handled Jonathan Aranda this year. I mean, Mead's by most rankings, is, is an even better prospect. He hasn't been nearly as productive at AAA this year as Ronda has. The power numbers especially mm-hmm. just haven't been there. I know he's uh, – I forget exactly what his injury was, but uh, I think it was some kind of upper body injury. And uh, he hasn't been hitting for power down there. But getting back to my original point, I don't think the Rays respect Curtis Mead's prospect status. And, and they're the Rays. And they're the Rays. So – is he going to get sent down tomorrow? Were they, was he just up for a, a three-day span where they were facing two lefties? I kind of suspect that's the case. Mm-hmm. And even if he does stay up longer, their infield's full, right? Yeah. I, I mean, he's not getting the majority of the at-bats at third, second, or first, and obviously not shortstop. He doesn't play shortstop. So, yeah, I, 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 would, rather, I would rather roll the dice on Schneider over um, Meade, even though... You know, like if we're, if we're talking who's the better dynasty asset, obviously Mead. All right. That's Davis Schneider. We all just learned who he was a couple of days ago, except for Scott, who knew about him a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, probably longer than that. <laughs> Let's move on to my, oh my goodness gracious, player of the weekend. And that was Chase Silseth, who has double digit strikeouts in two of three starts since coming back from AAA after striking out 12 Mariners on Sunday over seven innings, allowed two run runs. Four hits, one walk. He is 14% rostered, had eight swinging strikes with the slider, 12 with the splitter, only threw the four-seam fastball 24% of the time, had uh, about 11% sinkers, so it was a very, very heavy secondary. This is a guy who was the first player from last year's draft class to make his major league debut. He's got 26 strikeouts and 17 and two-thirds innings over the past three starts since coming back from AAA. He's got to stick in the rotation moving forward, right? Given how good he's been, that's been a question, but 
Yeah. There's no way they can pull them out. This is a team that's absolutely desperate to win games. They've lost six in a row, including this one. Uh, he's got to stick in the rotation, right? I mean, I would say so. And it's, you know, he had that first game, kind of his breakthrough start where mm-hmm. he struck out 10 in five innings. And we all thought, oh, he's it's great. Good for him. But then they just acquired Lucas Giolito right after that. And so we thought, okay, Silsa has to be the odd man out. And it was only after this scoring period started that we found out Griffin Canning's hurt. And so Silseth is going to make two starts this week. Um, I say that with uh, particular disappointment because I have him in an AL only league. Didn't get to enjoy this week where he <laughs> put together two great starts, including this absolute gem on Sunday. So this three start stretch for Silseth started with him taking about a mile per hour and a half off his slider. And it, mm-hmm. sort of like we saw with Reed Detmers for a stretch there, it became, it became like this, this wipeout pitch for him at that reduced velocity. And he started racking up swinging strikes with it, racking up strikeouts in general. Um, so this is the third start during that stretch. Obviously he incorporated a splitter in this one that he hadn't really been using prior to that. And it was responsible, actually, for the majority of the whiffs. It was responsible 12. for 12 of the 21. Um, he en- Entering this start, it was his fifth most used pitch. It was his second most used pitch in this start, twice about twice as often as normal. So, I mean, if... if, if I, I was already pretty excited about Silseth before that development, before mm-hmm. he's like, hey, guys, I have this pitch that's even better. Um. And now if, if he's able to combine that with that improved slider, you know, yeah, I, I, I think we're, I think we're even, I don't even think that's the most pertinent question anymore. Does Silseth get to keep a job? Like, well, obviously he's going to stick in the rotation after this three start span. It's just how, how invested should we be in him in fantasy? And I can't think of an, there, there's no other there's no other waiver wire pitcher this weekend that even comes close to him, right? I wouldn't think so. I mean, the other oh. top options we'll st- we'll talk about them in a few minutes, but like Kyle Gibson, he's already seventy nine percent rostered. He had a great start. Graham Ashcraft continues to be surprisingly good. Nick Pavetta, Stephen Matz, Johan Oviedo. I mean, if any of those guys are available and Chase Silseth's available, you're adding Chase Silseth, right? Yeah, I would say so. Yep. Now. If you play in the 19% of leagues where Yuri Perez is also available, you're adding Yuri Perez over Chase Selseth, right? Yuri Perez is expected to rejoin the Marlins rotation on Monday. Yes. Yes, I would add him. I, like you said, he's been, he's remained rostered in the vast majority of CBS sports leagues throughout, which makes sense. I would have recommended people doing that. Mm Mm-hmm. He's probably more available in Yahoo leagues, for instance. Yeah. So if he is out there, go grab him. Uh, his second start, his second buildup start, how long did he end up going? I think it was like 60 pitches. Uh, it was only like three and a third, I think. Maybe less, but a bunch so, of strikeouts. So presumably, oh, I need. I actually need to update the two-star pitcher rankings with this. Presumably, he's in line for two starts if he's coming up to start. I think so, yeah. I think the Marlins have one off day this week. So you don't... Factoring that in, I'm not sweating so much. Oh, he might only go four innings in his first start. You know, because between the two starts, he'll probably give you nine innings with 
I mean, if he picks up where he left off, great ratios. It does look like uh, he gave up, what, three runs and three and a third in his second buildup start, but also struck out seven. So, yeah, I I think I'd get – like, it's good timing that Yuri Perez, he comes back and he lines up for two starts right away. That makes it easy to say, okay, go ahead and get him back in your lineup. And Yeah, at Cincy versus the Yankees, two teams that – at least right now, over, over the last month or so, don't look like particularly tough matchups. Right. So, so. yeah, I, I think not just not just picking him up. Picking him up goes without saying. Picking him up over Sosa starting anyone else. Yeah, I think Yuri but, Perez is somebody I'd be excited to start in his first couple turns back here since they're happening in the same week. But if, but. if Yuri Perez isn't available... Chase Silseth is the the top waiver wire pitcher. Again, 26, 20, let me find it, 27 strikeouts, 26 strikeouts over 17 and two-thirds innings over three starts since coming back from AAA. I've got this a little later in the show, but let's just talk about it. I've got, looks like, six pitchers that I wanted to ask you if we can drop. So we'll just do it in the context of Chase Silseth is available in pretty much all leagues. 85% available. Mm-hmm. Drop Jose Arquiti for him. He came back from the IL, gave up five earned runs and three and a third against the Yankees. It's been pretty so terrible when he's pitched this year. Yeah, fair enough. But I do think, I do think he has the potential to be a very globby pitcher, and I say that in a good way. Like I think Urquidy, especially given his supporting cast, how efficient he is. I do think he has some good starts in him down the stretch. So I don't I don't want to just say, oh, yeah, drop him for Silseth and make people think we should be out on Urquidy altogether. I don't feel that way just because his return didn't go so great. But, yes, I would drop him for Silseth. What about Bryce Elder? Gave up five earned runs in four and a third innings. He's got a 660 ERA and a 157 whip since July 1st. I mean, he is he is definitively part of the glob. His his two starts prior to this one, it's worth pointing out, were good, but I combined mm-hmm. five strikeouts between them. So he's he's had some ups and downs here recently, as any globby pitcher would. Uh, drop him for Silseth. It's easier to say yes in a roto league, I think, in a head to head than in a head to head league where Elder. Pretty reliably goes six innings and has one of the best offenses in baseball backing him. And you need the volume, you need the wins, and just especially Silseth not going to have two starts. That's right. just not going to happen in the Angels' rotation. It might happen once all season. Yeah, so I'm going to straddle the fence there and say, eh, you know what? I just I don't think I'd do it for Elder. Period. Would you do it for Elder? You've you've been. I would. I, I I've. I, I've been expecting a straight uh, stretch like this for Bryce Elder, so I'm not surprised. ERA overall still pretty good. It's like mid threes, but uh, I think it's if it went a run higher before the end of the season, I wouldn't necessarily be surprised. Would you drop? I, I think this is this is an obvious one. Would you drop Luis Severino for for me? For you? For me? At least for I you. won't hurt Anybody. your ratios. Uh, At least I won't pitch in Major League Baseball and give up, you know, nine runs. Yeah, no, I, I get what you're. I, I, I get what you're. Uh, I'm picking up what you're putting down there. And I would drop Severino for just about anybody. Yes. Would you drop Kyle Hendricks, who gave up seven earned runs in four innings? Had been pitching pretty well, and it was the Braves, obviously. So, 
you don't want to hold that too much against him, but we know there's not a ton of upside with Kyle Hendricks. Would you drop him for, for Chase Silseth? Yeah, I would. Uh, Christopher Sanchez has been really good for most of the season. Gave up six earned runs uh, against the Royals this weekend. Would you drop him for Chase Silseth? Another guy, even when things are going well, the upside's not super high. Right. And I mean, we don't even really know his, his career has been so short. We don't really mm-hmm. know what Christopher Sanchez is. And I think most of us were, were thinking he would be out with the acquisition of Michael Lorenzen. They decided to go six man for now. Lorenzen's first start obviously went great mm-hmm. for the Phillies. It's hard to sustain a six man rotation for long. And I don't think, you know, it's not like the it's not like the Phillies rotation is full of a bunch of young guys whose innings are beginning to to pile up. So there's there's no need for them to do that. Chris mm-hmm. Christopher Sanchez is the young guy. So every bad start he has, he he makes it easier for them to drop back to a five man rotation. And so I think he just had such a narrow margin for error that it's fine to move on from him after this start. All right, two more, and again for the most part. You know, these are wide, relatively widely rostered guys. And this is another guy. This is one guy you and I both really like the talent of. But Reed Detmers, velocity was down across the board. He's only gone more than five innings once in four starts since the All-Star break. He gave up seven earned runs in four innings, nine hits, two walks, four strikeouts versus the Mariners. Obviously, you and I love Reed Detmers' upside. And if he went on a run over the rest of the season where he was a sub three ERA and 10 Ks per nine. I don't think either of us would be surprised, but Mm -hmm. would you drop his teammate? Would you drop him for his teammate, Chase Silseth? I mean, he's Silseth is kind of doing what we want Reed Demers to do. Mm -hmm. And so I think I'm okay with that. I think, I think I have more trust in Silseth at this point which is a difficult word to use for a guy who's had three starts yeah. to put him on our radar. But like, we're, we're, we're not clinging to that much more with Reed yeah. Demers. So I, I and, think that's fine. And look, uh, the one thing I will say about this Chase, Chase Silseth start, and look, if, if Chase Silseth has a five ERA the rest of the season, I also would not be surprised. Sure. But we are at a point in the season, trades are done, not a lot of incentive for guys to get called up. There have not been that many exciting waiver wire pitchers over the past month or so. It's been pretty hard to find. Certainly, no, have there been any guys with two double-digit strikeout starts in a three-start stretch? I can't think of any who are widely available. So that that's what we're what we're getting excited about here with Chase Selsith. One more. I think this guy's pretty much a drop across the board. Michael Kopech, would you drop him for Chase Silseth? He's about 65% rostered still. I mean, he's kind of in the same category as Luis Severino, where there's yeah. just, it's just, Im- can't imagine what it would take to get him in my lineup again. Yeah, 15 strikeouts, 14 walks over his past four starts for Michael Kopech. He had that really nice run. I think it was like towards the end of May, early June. But overall this season, it's been a very, very tough season for uh Michael Kopech, so totally fine dropping him. And uh, let's move on. Let's move on to some of the big injuries from this weekend, but that covered my waiver wire cut pitchers segment, so we got that one out of the way. 
Yeah. Big injuries this weekend. Joe Musgrove diagnosed with inflammation in his right shoulder capsule shut down at least three weeks. And you start doing the math shut down for three weeks. Let's say best case scenario. He's cleared to throw in three weeks. You're probably looking at three more weeks before he's able to pitch in a major league game at minimum. There's only like seven weeks left in the season. Mm hmm. If you don't have an IL spot, are you dropping Joe Musgrove for Chase Silseth? So this whole show is going to become the Chase Silseth show. Yeah, we're changing point. the we're changing the name to Chase Silseth today. Uh, I, I mean, look, um, if if yeah, if, if if you're if it's a scenario where you can't stash Musgrove on an in an IL spot and you don't have anyone more obvious to drop, then I, I think that's fine. Mm -hmm. I, we're, we're mostly speaking to the NFBC audience, I feel like, with that, but yeah. which is relatively small. I, I mean, there, there are probably some private leagues that have no IL spots. That might be fine. Um, I am in a spot in my NFBC leagues, which 15-team roto, they tend to be, um, where I need... I basically the, the categories I need most are starting pitcher categories. So I'm scooping up every Kyle Wright, Nick Lodolo. Yeah. Um, Just like hoping Shane you get Bieber any kind, hoping McKenzie. you get any kind of uh, boost at the end, right? Yeah. So I'm kind of I'm kind of in the opposite place with the way my teams have been constructed, where other people are like, "Yeah, I don't want to wait around for him," and I'm like, "Okay, mm -hmm. I'll 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 pick him up and keep my fingers crossed." So. Uh, I, I don't see myself personally dropping Joe Musgrove, but I, I think it's defensible. Yeah. yeah, tough injury there. Also a tough injury in Cleveland with Josh Naylor out three to six weeks of the right oblique strain. That's another one where, hey, if it comes back on the three week, you know, if he's out the three weeks and he comes back and, you know, by that point, minor league season will be close to over. Maybe he doesn't go on a rehab assignment. You see that sometimes at the end of the season. Maybe we could get Josh Naylor back for the end of the season, but just a, a tough, tough injury for him. Is there anybody in Cleveland's organization or roster that uh, you have any interest in? Kyle Manzardo? Yeah, Kyle Manzardo, Manzardo, but he's probably not not a hundred percent right now. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's true. He's he's hurt. So that takes that off the table. Uh, no, no, not really. Uh, they did call up Brian Rocchio, I think, before this injury even happened to Naylor. Mm -hmm. uh, because they, they cleared shortstop with Ahmed Rosario being traded to the Dodgers. And he is a prospect of note, but I, I think a much better real-life prospect than fantasy prospect. His offensive skill set is mostly contact-oriented. Um, let's see. Did Cole Calhoun start there today? Is that who got the start? Kokahun did get added to the roster. I did not see if he started today. He did start at first base for the Guardians. Cole Calhoun, starting first baseman for your Cleveland Guardians. Age 35. It's been a couple years since he's been fantasy relevant. I can't say I'm particularly interested in that. But if he if he went on a heater, it wouldn't be the most shocking thing in the world either. Scott yeah, it's it's been a he, he went on a season long heater in 2020. Now it was a two month season, but he did have 14 homers. Yeah, in 60 games in 2020 was actually one of the best outfielders in fantasy. But uh, yeah, not not super excited for the Cole Cal Calhoun experience. I think if you're digging that deep at first base, 
probably the Anthony Rizzo replacement. Jake Bowers is the better pick. He, he homered a yeah. couple times over the weekend. And um, yeah, that was the one I was going to ask. I mean, I I still think we're talking about really deep roto leagues in that yeah. scenario. Yeah, thirty two percent strikeout rate. He does have an eight ten OPS, but he's hitting two thirty. It's very all or nothing. But yeah, Anthony Rizzo. I mean, I guess Anthony Rizzo could be back relatively soon. But I don't know if you guys saw this, but he had a collision at first base with Fernando Tatis back at the end of May. Mm-hmm. You remember Anthony Rizzo got off to an awesome start this season. Yep. He was actually looking like prime Anthony Rizzo. It wasn't like last year. It was like super empty home runs. He was hitting for batting average. It seemed like the shift man had really helped him had that collision at first base with, with uh, Fernando Tatis and just was a disaster from that point on. And uh, one home out, run from that point on. Yeah. It turns out he had concussion symptoms yep. after that, that he either didn't tell the team about or the, you know, whatever the situation was, that's one of the things about concussions is you kind of have to, if you're not testing guys regularly, you kind of have to rely on players giving you that information that they're struggling with it. And some guys aren't going to be willing to do that. So seems like that's what happened with Anthony Rizzo. He tried and, to push through a, it. We, we had a couple stories like that on the same day with, mm-hmm. we, we got it. We got into this a little bit on Friday's podcast, but with, with Anthony Rizzo and, and Joe Ryan and his groin injury and yeah. the effect it was having on his delivery. Another, situation of a guy playing through injury where he just wasn't he didn't he didn't inform the team really what was going on with him or the team didn't take it as seriously as they should or whatever yeah i mean ryan took the took the heat for that one he said it was on him yeah rizzo it's a little 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 iffier who's to blame there but um but no i mean that that just goes to show you that when a player is struggling when all his mm-hmm. numbers have turned sour and it's it's reflected just as much in the adva- advanced stat as the surface level ones it may not actually mean that he's broken in fact it probably doesn't and we don't always hear about the cases yeah. like we with with Rizzo and Ryan that's the point I forgot to make Friday is that okay we heard about these and so it's easy to say okay these guys will probably be fine but a lot of times we never hear about it and mm-hmm. just eventually the player writes himself and so we don't, Juan Soto's finger injury. There, there is a tendency with advanced stats to they get they they allow us to pretend like we know more than we actually do, and there's a danger in that because they're they're a lot of times just as much the symptom as as the cause, and and we're we're you know mm-hmm. we too often treat them as the cause. Yep. Uh, other injury we mentioned earlier, Josh Young suffered a fractured left thumb trying to catch a Jorge Soler line drive 108 miles an hour off the, the bat. Ended up being a double play. One of the one of the dumber ways that the Marlins have had a double play this season. Uh, who do we think plays third base for the Rangers moving forward? Well, entering the game actually to play shortstop because I think Corey Seager had the day off was mm-hmm. Ezekiel Duran, and he had been losing at bats recently. He's been terrible since the All Star break. Uh, entered today eight for fifty five since the All Star break, a one forty six batting average for Ezekiel Duran. You go to his uh, Statcast page; 
the numbers have gone down some in terms of the expected stats, the exit velocities, but it's still very good. It's still mm-hmm. a starting caliber player. So I, I do think he'll pull out of this slump. And uh, presumably, Young's injury is what gets him back in the lineup. And the Rangers lineup is a good place to be. Everybody, <laughs> everybody up and down the lineup, great running RBI production. Uh, I don't know how like, avail- I, I'm, I imagine Duran's become kind of available again since as, as much as he struggled. What's his roster rate? Uh, let's see here. 64%. Yeah. So it never got as high as it should have. Yeah. Was part of the problem. Yeah. Eligible at shortstop and outfield in addition to third base. Uh, I, think it be, had- I think it should be rostered higher than that. I think so too. Yeah. I think that's a prime waiver wire pickup that is somebody who i would pick up over davis schneider for instance if we want to play that game again uh the rangers are calling up jonathan ornelas from triple a where he's hitting 250 with a 708 ops did have some interesting numbers last season 299 average 785 ops 14 homers 14 stolen bases but not necessarily someone that we expect to play every day for the rangers or are particularly excited about right for fantasy I would say so, unless he goes all Davis Schneider on us. But and then there, there's, there's probably no chance that this leads to Evan Carter getting called up, right? Their top prospect. He's a center fielder, but you know maybe they stick him in a DH spot. Probably not going to happen. Just wanted to mention it, right? Uh, yeah, I would imagine not. I did, the thought of Justin Foscue, their first-round pick, I believe, in 2020, mm-hmm. did cross my mind, but I just... I, I don't think the playing time would be there. I don't. Unless they've totally soured on Ezekiel Duran, which would be kind of nutty. Yep. All right. That's going to be there. We'll move on. I saw some people in the chat commenting that they would drop Chase Silseth for Carlos Rodon. Do you want to caution? He had another tough start. I thought he actually looked pretty good today when I was watching the start. Left it with a hamstring injury on his left hamstring. We'll have an MRI on Monday. Not sure the extent of that injury, but let's find out what it is before we drop him because Carlos Rodon is obviously when right, one of the best pitchers in baseball. You don't want to be too hasty with him. I know you're frustrated. It has been a frustrating season for Carlos Rodon, but let's, let's just, let's chill for now. I would not drop him for Chase Silseth. Would you? No, it's probably extra frustrating because it was two starts this week. So everybody got him in their lineup. And it did not go well. I mean, unless we find out he has a timetable like Joe Musgrove. Yeah. You know, we could think about it in that case. But I I agree. Based on what we know now, not going to make that swap. Yeah, they just got Nestor Cortez back. The Yankees did. So, I mean, I I guess it could be worse timing. At least they have another healthy starting pitcher. Although, you know, Luis Severino, I don't know if he really counts at this point as a healthy starting pitcher. He's technically healthy. Uh, Does Yanni Brito get another chance in this rotation? Do they give Randy Vasquez a look? How do you think they would fill this rotation spot? And is there anyone worth getting interested in anyway? I mean, if they turn to either of those guys again, no. (laughs) Uh, No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I wouldn't be speculating on that. I mean, obviously, they had another rotation spot open up with Domingo Herman. That's what Cortez filled. So, yeah, the the cupboard's pretty bare there. I was excited about what what uh, uh, Nestor Cortez did, though. Yes. Because... Eight strikeouts in four innings, right? Right. Yeah, eight strikeouts in four innings. Obviously, a short start. Um, fresh off the I.L., 
Only one hit allowed to the Astros in those four innings. 17 swinging strikes on just 64 pitches. Average exit velocity, 77.4. I mean, there basically was nothing in the, uh, nothing to, everything was encouraging. Everything you could point to from this mm-hmm. first start, except the fact he went only four innings, was encouraging for Cortez. Velocity on his fastball and cutter, top two pitches, both up a mile per hour and a half. And uh, hopefully he's going to come back and finish out the year strong because he was pretty disappointing before he went on the I.O. with a strained rotator cuff, which yes, you know, although may, the may have had something to do with the disappointment. Underlying numbers were better than the surface level numbers. 365 expected ERA, strikeout rate, walk rate. They were both 1.3 miles per or 1.3 percentage points in the wrong direction from last season, but still very good. So I do think Nestor Cortez, if he's healthy, should be pretty good moving forward. And a couple other injuries from this weekend. Jake Fraley uh, with a stress fracture in on one of the toes on his left foot. Byron Buxton with a right hamstring strain shut down for two weeks. We are going to take a quick break. And when we're back, we'll go over some news and notes and some of the other uh, standouts from this weekend. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. Nothing beats a weekend away with the family in the great outdoors, whether it's camping, hiking, river rafting, or anything in between. With third-row seating, nobody is left out. The entire family can experience the thrill together. And nobody wants a dead phone. Available dual wireless charging pads make it so nobody gets stuck and we can check our fantasy baseball teams together. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. All right, news and notes. Shohei Otani is expected to make his next pitching start, which is scheduled for Wednesday against the Giants. He exited his previous start with cramping in his right hand. He has exited like four games in the last week and a half with cramping. The Angels have lost six straight games. They made all those trades. Nobody's been good so far. Their pets' heads are falling off. It's been kind of a mess. Hopefully Shohei Otani is fine moving forward. Are you starting him this week? As a starting pitcher. Well, if it's... If the it's two league. different questions, I guess. Yes. Yeah. If, if you have him as both and you have to decide you're starting him as a hitter, I think that kind of goes without saying. Yes. If you just have him as a starting pitcher. I would see in the starting class. I would start him. Yes. All right. Shane McClanahan will meet with a team of specialists, including, and this was an ominous uh, name to see, Dr. Neil Elatrache for a second opinion on his forearm tightness. That is one of the two guys whose names you tend to hear when guys have Tommy John surgery. That does not mean Shane McClanahan is going to have Tommy John surgery. It just means that Dr. Neil Elatrache has experience with Tommy John surgery. I'm not saying anything more than that. Let's hope it doesn't become anything more than that. I'm very, very worried. 
Uh, I don't Tyler, think any of us are optimistic. It doesn't seem like a situation to be optimistic about. I'm hopeful, but not optimistic. Tyler Glass now was scratched from his start Sunday due to back spasms. However, the Rays are optimistic. He'll start this week versus the Cardinals. Take the chance and start him this week? I think in most cases, yeah. All right. Cedric Mullins was scheduled to play in rehab assignments at double A on Sunday and Saturday. So he looks like he'll be back relatively soon from that groin injury. Nathan Avaldi said Saturday he is pain free after playing catch from 75 feet. Bruce Bochy said that Avaldi will be out another two to three weeks with his forearm strain. You know, you're holding on him, but, mm-hmm. you know, Hopefully it's more like two weeks than three weeks, given how few weeks we have left. Mm-hmm, Jonathan, in, Jonathan India is expected to be activated Tuesday against the Marlins. Do we expect him to be an everyday player? And does this mean Christian Encarnacion Strand's time in the lineup is done? Well, Encarnacion Strand's arrival didn't coincide with mm-hmm. India getting hurt. Uh, it was a struggle to get everybody in the lineup every day. And I'm guessing... That's what it'll become again. However, India was as consistent of a starter as anybody that they have. So, um, yeah, I, I think I think it's fine to I think it's fine to to treat India like a starter in fantasy again. I, I don't know exactly how the playing time is going to shake out. I think it'll I think they'll have to be creative with it. Mm-hmm. Between the two, I'd be more likely to start India and fantasy than Incarnacion Strand just because we haven't gotten a lot of production from Incarnacion Strand yet. Though, you know, he, he, he's looked fine. The strikeouts. 10 with four strikeouts this weekend, down to 254 overall. 22% strikeout rate. That's actually not too bad, but right. 3% walk rate. You know, maybe. He's not going to walk much. A little bit of a free swinger uh, so far. Would you drop him? For Davis Schneider. Christian Encarnacion Strand, that is. I don't think so. No, I, I think if you're asking me to bet on who has more home runs from today to the end of the season, I'm going to say Encarnacion Strand. All right. Trevor Story will stay on his rehab assignment through Wednesday. He's eligible or he has to come off his rehab assignment by Thursday. Red Sox wanted to keep him down there so he can continue working on his conditioning. He's been very good in his rehab assignment, slugging 595, hitting 270. What are your expectations for Trevor Story the rest of the way? Well, look, they have to call him up soon because he's running out of days. I yeah, think. Thursday. Yeah. Um, Unless so. there's some setback. But yeah, you have 20 days once you start a rehab assignment. Uh, he is bumping right up against that. And he's 79% rostered, so not mm-hmm. available in most leagues. You know, one of the one day last week, Frank and I were talking about how how he 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 first we first started hearing about these elbow troubles the same year that he saw his batting average take mm-hmm. a tumble. It was his last year in Colorado. Yeah, his last season. Um, and and the power and speed numbers were still fine. It seemed like maybe it was declined, but you know, even now he's what thirty. He's he's mm-hmm. he's. It would have been a premature decline if it was a legitimate decline. So I think, I think there's a chance that Trevor Story comes back. It wasn't a full blown Tommy John. It was the internal bracing procedure that yep. um, others like Reese Hoskins have had, and he he looked fine after having it. So, um, 
I think I think there's a chance Trevor Story comes back and is as good as we've seen in several years. That's not the one you should that's not the scenario you should bet on necessarily, but it is a possibility. And um if he if you are in a league where he's available, any of the twenty one percent of leagues on CBS where he's available, I think he's absolutely worth picking up. And look, last year, I mean, it was a disappointment. He hit 238, 737 OPS. It was still a 25 home or 20 steal pace for Trevor Story. Like that, that's still a yeah. very useful player, especially in a roto league where if, you know, worst case scenario, you, you stick him in a middle infield spot. But that's still a guy who, you know, very easily could be a, you know, a top 10 second baseman. Before... Before we knew he was having this elbow procedure, like when my initial rankings came out in November or whatever it was, mm-hmm. Story was fifth in my second base rankings. Now, yeah. second base looked pretty weak at that point, but even so. All right, some of the other news. Michael Grove placed on the 15-day IL with right lat tightness. Clayton Kershaw should return from the IL sometime this week through another bullpen session on Sunday. Would you start Clayton Kershaw this week? I think I'd rather see how that goes. I think that's the right call. He's coming back from a shoulder issue and has only really thrown bullpen sessions. So we just don't know what he's looked like. Michael Waka made a rehab start at AAA on Saturday, his first live action since July 1st. He's going to need at least one more start uh, dealing with right shoulder inflammation. Ryan Helsey started a rehab assignment at AA Sunday. He's been on the IL since mid-June with a right forearm strain. Is he just the closer when he's back? Um, I missed who you said. Sorry. Ryan Helsley. I would guess so. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I would guess so. I, I mean, t- it may be to the same extent that he was the closer before he went down, which was, you know, get splitting save chances 50 50 with Giovanni Gallegos because a lot of times they, they used Ryan Helsley in the highest leverage spot, regardless of whether it was a save chance. But Helsley is certainly the Cardinals reliever most, most worth rostering, even while presently on the IL. All right. Here's a, a confusing one to follow that up with. Ryan Presley didn't pitch Sunday because he's sore. They didn't give any explanation for what that meant. Uh, Dusty Baker said he's healthy, so it doesn't sound like much to be concerned about. Brian Abreu, you got the save on Sunday. Mason Miller threw a bullpen session Saturday. We'll face live hitters this week. That includes Ryan Noda, who's going to begin his return. Hunter Green allowed one run over two and two-thirds innings in a rehab start. And I noticed Doug Gray of RedMinorLeagues.com noted that his pitch mix looks a little different. He was throwing a fourth off-speed or a, I guess a third off-speed pitch, a fourth pitch. It wasn't really clear what the categorization was under StatCast, but that's something that Hunter Green talked about in an article on Cincinnati.com that I saw this week, that he's taken the time away from pitching to focus on his repertoire and and hopefully, you know, take another step forward. We've been looking for, you know, that third pitch, the changeup or, you know, whatever might be a splitter. Not sure exactly what it is, but that's something to keep an eye on with Hunter Green because we know how high the upside is. Tanner Houck started a rehab assignment at AAA Saturday and will be stretched out to return as a starter for the Red Sox. He's 13% rostered. Is he someone you should stash if you don't have an IL spot? No, I would say not. He, there were some encouraging signs for him before he went on the IL, before he had the facial fracture. 
All right. Um, JP France was removed to the move to the bullpen with Jose Arquiti returning Sunday. Rowdy Telez will begin a rehab assignment on Tuesday. Sorry, Scott, did you want to say something else? No, it's fine. Okay. Luis Arias was in the Luis Arias was in the lineup for the Red Sox Friday, batting eighth, playing second base. Probably a short-term thing with Trevor Story coming back. Any interest at all in, in deeper leagues? I mean, how deep do you want to say? In a, a, AL only? Deeper than <laughs> shallower than AL only. No. Okay. Uh, Emma Sheehan was optioned to AAA Friday. Cole Hamels officially retired after 15 seasons. Heck of a career there uh, for Cole Hamels. Yeah. Uh, I don't think quite Hall of Fame caliber, but you know, I, I think at least he's have like, that argument. Yeah, right on the right on the bubble. Uh, I, I think he'll he'll be a, a fun one to argue about. Royce Lewis. Uh, with his oblique injury, took live batting practice on Sunday as he works his way back. J.D. Martinez was back in the lineup on Saturday and Sunday, likely won't play on Monday, but it doesn't sound like he's had a setback. It's just maintenance. That'll probably continue moving forward. Chris Sale struck out seven over four and one-third innings at AAA in his rehab assignment appearance. His velocity was down about two miles per hour from what I saw, so it's a little concerning, but certainly still worth stashing, correct? Yeah, I'd gamble on him at most any velocity. There's been a lot of fluctuation over his career. All right, Alex Kirilov had a cortisone injection and is still resting from that shoulder injury. Anthony Descalfani had a PRP injection in his elbow, will be shut down for six to eight weeks, likely ending his season. The White Sox claimed Brent Honeywell on waivers. Any chance he gets a chance to start over the final two months? I mean, their rotation is so depleted. I'm not going to say no, but... I, I don't know that I care either. Sure. All right. Alex Verdugo was scratched for disciplinary disciplinary reasons on Saturday, but he was back in the lineup on Sunday. Sounds like that was just a one-day thing. Spencer Turnbull pitched three and a third innings in a rehab start Friday at AAA. Any interest there at all coming back from a neck injury? Uh, uh, no. No, I've, I've, I've always been bullish or I'm hey, sorry, nearish. Turnbullish. Turnbullish. Ah, except it's the opposite. Yeah. Uh, Esther Ruiz returned from the IL Saturday from his shoulder injury, and the A's designated Ramon Laureano for assignment. Some others who went on the IL, Brandon Marsh with a bruised knee, ran into the outfield wall in center field. A little, a little reminiscent of Aaron Rowan, like kind of the, the same part of the park, just, you know, didn't hit his face, which I guess is thankful. Uh, Zach cut. And then Zach Nato with lower back discomfort that's been bothering him for a while. Uh, would you start, we talked about it earlier, Tyler Glass now, would you start him? Yeah. You said yes. Okay. Yeah. Jose Ramirez and Tim Anderson. Now this is an interesting one. We didn't talk about it yet, but I'm mm-hmm. sure if you're a baseball fan, you've seen it by now. They had a little, uh, a little brawl, actually a pretty big brawl by baseball player standards. They exchanged punches. They, they, they landed punches. I would say both of them seemed to land punches. Jose Ramirez knocked Tim Anderson down. They're likely facing some discipline uh, for their fight. Tim Anderson was out of the lineup on Sunday. Not clear if that was a disciplinary issue or just a day off, but would you start them this week? Obviously different calibers of player there between Jose Ramirez and Tim Anderson. So no to Tim Anderson because he hasn't really been good enough to start anyway. Mm -hmm. Jose Ramirez, probably. Yes. I haven't heard of a timeline. You know, I I presume whatever suspension he gets, he'll appeal it. Yep. 
Um, but you know, he could he could drop the appeal at any point and then be forced to sit from that day forward. We just if he does appeal it, I have no idea when the hearing would be. And you know, if if he were to drop his appeal, obviously I have no way of predicting that. So I, I'd go ahead and start Jose Ramirez. He's too high end. All right. Max Muncie has missed three games in a row since being hit on the wrist with a pitch. Would you start him this week? I'd rather not. And one catcher league, you could probably you could probably play it safe instead of. Sorry, that was Max Muncie, not. not oh, I'm sorry. I was looking ahead to Salvador Perez. Salvador Perez. Uh, yeah, I would sit. I would try to sit Max Muncie too after sitting, considering you missed three games. Sure. And Salvador Perez, like I said, in one catcher league, you could probably find a way to sit him. All right, let's move on to the some of the other waiver wire pitchers from this weekend. Kyle Gibson, very good start versus the Mets. Nine strikeouts, one walk. He's only available in 20 per, 21% of leagues. Do you think he's a high priority ad in the leagues where he's available, Kyle Gibson? He's very globby. Okay. Four straight quality starts, 27 strikeouts, five walks, and 25 innings in that span. Would you rather have him or Graham Ashcraft, who now has seven quality starts in a row? After going eight innings, giving up three earned runs, two walks, five strikeouts this weekend. I have no idea how this is how he's doing this still. The strikeout number is still not very good. The walk number is still not great. What yeah. do we make of Graham Ashcraft? 5.9K per nine, 3.1 walks per nine, despite having a 205 ERA in his last seven starts. No, I would rather have Kyle Gibson. And I don't want to go anywhere near Graham Ashcraft, really. Would you rather have Graham Ashcraft or Nick Pavetta? who didn't have a great appearance this weekend. Four innings, three earned runs, two walks, two strikeouts versus Toronto. He's 64% rostered. But remember, 45 strikeouts, 251 ERA in 32 and a third innings since July 1st. Doesn't start. Will occasionally just be used for a one inning or two inning outing rather than these you know piggyback outings that he's done. I really yeah. don't know how to value him. It's also Nick well, Pavetta, who has had very interesting stretches in his career and then typically falls apart. His previous outing was a true start. Mm -hmm. The one where he went seven and a third and struck out 10. His second longest outing during this stretch, he went six no-hit innings and struck out 13. So uh, I wish they'd give him more leash because he seems to do well with it. And it wasn't like, it wasn't a horrible outing this time. It's just, you know, if you're only going four innings, in order for it to be a value in fantasy, it has to be like a lights out four innings, yeah. you know? Um, I would rather have him than Ashcraft. Is that, mm-hmm. Was that the comparison, Pavetta or Ashcraft? And in fact, yeah. I, I went ahead, I, I, I update my sleeper pitchers that come out Friday. I update them on Sunday and I, I left Pavetta in there. He's still lined up to get a turn against the Royals this week, whether it's a true start or following an opener. Mm-hmm. So hopefully that ends up being... Uh, a lights out performance against that offense. All right. Would you rather have, let's just compare these three, Nick Pavetta, Steven Matz, or Johan Oviedo. So I prefer Pavetta. I, I think there's the best chance of him becoming, becoming somebody usable in any league. Pavetta mm-hmm. then followed by Matz, followed by Oviedo. Johan um, Oviedo, you, you, you've used the term random number generator a mm-hmm. lot over the past couple of weeks in our pitching discussions. This guy might be the absolute definition of a random number generator this season. He has eight starts with six innings and one earned run or less. He has another three 
with six innings and two earned runs or less. He has no other quality starts in his other 11 starts. It's yeah. like it's either a gem with like legitimate 10 strikeout upside. I think he's done that three times this season or it's just not worth using. And there doesn't seem to be much rhyme or reason for it. Right. That's the thing is, okay, so in his last five starts, Oviedo has a 232 ERA, 0.94 whip, nearly a strikeout per inning. Four of the five of them have been absolutely great, including the start over the weekend against the Tigers, right? Mm -hmm. The other one was a disaster. And, okay, so you could say he's the hot hand now, but I don't see any reason for it, as you were saying, no rhyme or reason. Like early in the year when he was having some good starts, it's like, wow, look, the slider's up three miles per hour. Um, but you know, things leveled off from there and they haven't really changed in an observable way here during, during this impressive stretch. So I just don't, I don't know how to put any faith in Oviedo. It feels like it's, you're, you're really risking uh, just a total meltdown if you put him in your lineup. Uh, Matt's has been impressive of late too. Yes. 20 strikeouts, zero, seven, eight ERA over the last four starts. It's brought his ERA, overall ERA, uh, down to close. It's brought his overall ERA down to 394, and all the ERA estimators are basically in line with that. Not that that's a great ERA, but it's useful. I feel like I feel like Matt's is pitching well in a way we we understand from Stephen Matz. I guess is how I'd put it. And uh, his matchup this week is also the Royals. So that makes him, he actually got added to my sleeper pitchers for this week article. Uh, when I removed, who did I remove? Can't remember who I removed, but Steven Matz joined the, the group of 10. All right. And then relative to that group, is Jose Quintana clearly at the bottom or where would you put him? Six Ks, two walks versus Baltimore, 32% rostered, six innings this week or in this start, 342 ERA. 16 yeah. strikeouts, 342 XERA, or 342 ERA, 475 XERA, 0-3, which the Mets are going to lose a lot of games the rest of the way. So where would you rank him among those previous three? Between Pavetta, Mats, and Oviedo, Jose Quintana is most like Mats, I would say. Mm-hmm. I do like that three of his four starts since coming back from the aisle, six innings or more. I think that's a good sign for him. I think... I think he is part of – I think I trust him to be part of the glob at this point, uh, which means you can play matchups with him. You can have him on your roster. You can start him without too much fear of him destroying you. And um, I think he's a fine choice. I mean, really, you look at his career apart from the juice ball era, mm-hmm. and you know I'm, I'm going to say we're not in the juice ball era anymore. Apart from that, he, he's – been great at home run suppression and that's really been the key to his success including last year when he had a sub three era all right let's talk about some let's really i don't think we need to spend much time on these three guys they're all 14 percent rostered or less any thoughts on jesse shulton's ross stripling or zach little jesse shulton's six strikeouts six innings versus cleveland he's four percent rostered 29-year-old with a 501 ERA in his career at AAA. Ross Stripling, we've seen be pretty good uh, over the course of his career. Quality starts in his two previous starts before. Uh, five and a third, one earned run against Oakland, seven strikeouts. And then Zach Little against Detroit, uh, two solid starts in a row, six shutouts, three hits, 
one strikeouts, five swing starts. I don't think there's much here. I think Ross Stripling's probably by far the most interesting, but what are your thoughts? Yeah, and I don't even think Stripling's that interesting. Agreed. All right, we talked about the guys we were going to cut earlier on in the show. We were talking about Chase Silseth. Let's move on to waiver wire hitters. Is Tyler O'Neill under-rostered at 62%? He homered Saturday. He's hitting 283 with three homers, one steal in 15 games since coming back from the I.L. with a 23% strikeout rate. 62% feels a little low. Yeah, at this point, I, I think if he's out there in a five outfielder league, he needs to be picked up. 63, 62%, he probably isn't out there in many five outfielder leagues. That's yeah. probably the majority that he's rostered in already. Uh, I don't have enough trust in him to to turn to Tyler O'Neill in a three outfielder league. Sure. Would you rather have Max Kepler or Matt Walner? Go with a couple of twins there. Five for 12 with a home run in each game of this weekend series for Max Kepler. He hit 291 with an 840 OPS in July. Now has an 1139 mark in August. Matt Walner, I believe it's nine home runs in, in 50 games or something. So who would you rather have there? So I didn't add the numbers for Kepler from Sunday, but going into Sunday, last 39 games, you kind of already said this already, but last 39 games for Kepler, 292 batting average, 10 home runs, 914 OPS. Mostly the change seems to be in his barrel rate, which would suggest to me he's kind of just hot right now, which is fine. It's a high-hand play. Walner's very interesting to me, though, because Walner has, I think, legitimate high-end power, like A-minus level power. Mm -hmm. And strikes out too much, but he's keeping it around 30%. When you have that kind of power, if you do that, I think you have a chance. He kind of looks like when I see him, it's like they clone Joey Gallo. He just looks exactly like him. Like the same batting stance, same swing. Which you could take as a compliment or a very... At at this point, it probably sounds like a a criticism to most people, which is fair. Um, and sorry, that's seven home runs in 30 games for Matt Walner. But offensively, he has three true outcomes. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, that's what his minor league track record shows, too. Uh, I think I think if you're specifically looking for home runs, Walner's the way to go. He's getting everyday playing time. I saw Rocco Baldelli. I don't have the quote pulled up, but I saw he had very nice things to say about him after this weekend. Mm-hmm. So I think he has a spot on, in the Twins lineup for now. But if you're talking like a points league context, Kepler doesn't strike out much, and that's that's the preferred way to go for for that format. All right, let me. All right, I was trying to pull up a player's page while you were talking, and I didn't get there in time. Alfonso Rivas, three for five with his first home run in his first game with the Pirates on Friday. One percent rostered. Is this just an NL only guy? Yes. Okay. What about Freddie Furman? Fermin is probably how you pronounce that. Uh, he got his first start at DH on Sunday. Uh, he is a catcher. Hitting 894 OPS, 313 batting average, eight home runs in 158 plate appearances. Is there anything here? Does he need to be more rostered than he is uh, for his catcher eligibility? Probably worth mentioning that Freddie Fermin is plays for the Royals. Mm-hmm. Of course, have Salvador Perez. But he's, like you said, been, you know, they're the, He's been playing a lot lately and even got to start at DH here with as well as he's performed. Minor league numbers look pretty solid as well. This is something I, I didn't even think about this till today when I was looking into Freddie for me. Now look at how well he's doing. You know, MJ Melendez hasn't gotten a start behind the plate since April. 
I don't think he's going to have catcher eligibility next year. That hurts because uh, him and Varsho he's both. Barely, he's barely relevant as a catcher. Right. I mean, that was the whole appeal is the position. It, it, Dalton Varsho is a major issue. Yeah. You know, he's not going to have catcher eligibility next year either. Um, but getting back to Fermin, I would say in two catcher leagues, he's worth looking into at this point. And some of my 15 teamers, uh, like one, for instance, where I had Salvador Perez and uh, made you to replace him this week. I was putting in a bid on Freddie Fermin. All right. And then one that I want to see if you want to drop by now. Brett Beatty, hitless in six straight, 134 since the All-Star break. Obviously, we think he's going to play pretty regularly moving forward, but hasn't been good enough so far. Where are we at on Brett Beatty? He's about 60% rostered. I mean, in a in a in a perfect world, I just stash him on my bench and and hope he figures it out. Mm-hmm. But I'm, and you don't I'm have to, a, you can look at Tristan Costas at a guy as a guy who really struggled and yeah. then figured it out seemingly overnight. It started way back in May, though. Yeah. So I, I mean, at what point into figuring it out did we say Costas is a guy we can use now in fantasy? Yeah. And do we have enough time for Beatty to get to that point? Probably not. So. Mm-hmm. In an ideal world, I hold on to him. Realistically, right. I can't imagine if if he was if he was my best chance to pick up a hot ticket item on waivers. I don't think I'd let it stop me. I think I'd be willing to drop eighty. All right, we are already over an hour, but I want to take me literally. Hey, real quick, rank these four players: Andrew Abbott, who starting to hit another rough patch here, eight walks, ten earned runs, eight Ks. Over his last two starts, overall number still very good. Blake Snell, Tarek Skubal, and George Kirby, who had a great start on Saturday. One earned run, seven innings against the Angels. Tarek Skubal, he has only allowed an earned run in two of his 30, I believe, innings so far this season. And then Blake Snell, he was awesome in July, sub one ERA, 30 walks and 37 innings since July 1st. So rank Andrew Abbott, Blake Snell, Tarek Skubal, George Kirby, rest of the season. I rank them Kirby, Snell, Abbott, Skubal, which is how I would have ranked them going into the weekend too. I will point out a couple things. Skubal, five and a third innings, that's his longest start so far. And mm-hmm. He's doing it with a bad offense backing him. That's part of the reason he's in fourth here. I am a little yep. worried about Abbott. Have been all along, and Snell's walks are getting to be crazy again. So I, <laughs> I think wild. I think Kirby's the only one who is uh, who transcends the glob of this group. All right, let's uh, let's talk about another globular cluster, probably a lower end one. But hey, real quick, rank these five pitchers: Bryce Miller, who starting to show the swing and miss pit stuff outside of the fastball lately, but obviously. Previous start before this wasn't great. One earned run, five innings pitched against the Angels on Sunday. 22 swinging strikes, though. It's a massive number. Aaron Savale struggled in his first start for the Rays. James Paxton coming back down to earth a little bit. Merrill Kelly, he's just kind of been terrific uh, all season, but really since coming back from the IL especially. And then Lance Lynn, who had a much better start. He's allowed four earned runs, all on solo home runs in two starts since joining the Dodgers. Uh, ditched the cutter in the first start. It was back to not quite where it was the first uh, in Chicago, but you know, 
it didn't seem as much as quite as drastic a change in pitch mix in the second outing. So rank these guys, Bryce Miller, Aaron Savale, James Paxton, Merrill Kelly, and Lance Lynn. Merrill Kelly, whose velocity was back up in this third start back from the aisle. It was down a little in the first two. He's easy. Number one. I'm still going to go. I'm still going to go James Paxton. Number two. I think I'll go Lance Miller. I mean, Lance, Lynn over Bryce Miller, three and four, and then uh, Savale fifth. Would you drop Savale, Savale is who for we Chase Silseth? Would I drop Savale for Chase Silseth? Nope. All right. Maybe. All right. Let's do a, <laughs> a little quick look at the bullpen situations on Friday in KC. Carlos Hernandez pitched the seventh inning with a run, one run lead facing the two, three, four in the Phillies lineup. Nick Whitgren pitched the eighth. Austin Cox got the ninth for the first for his first save, but we still think Hernandez is the guy there, right? If there, if there is a guy. Uh, Hernandez is probably the guy. Yes. Carlos Hernandez. Uh, for Toronto, Jordan Hicks got the final four outs for his ninth save on Friday. Uh, first with the Blue Jays. And then Eric Swanson got the save on Saturday. He wasn't used on Friday. Is this a true committee moving forward? I give Swanson the advantage because he got the first save and the third save since they acquired Hicks. And I think Hicks set up for him in one of those games, if I'm remembering correctly. The Hicks now, save on Friday. Yeah, he got four outs for the, his save. Four outs. And when he entered, it was a save situation. By the mm-hmm. time the ninth inning came, it was a four-run lead. So mm-hmm. it was very unconventional how he went about getting that save. Well, let's just hope Jordan Hicks doesn't get the fourth save and muck everything up. Uh, with yeah. Andres Munoz unavailable on Friday, Matt Brash got the save, so he might be second in line, but Munoz did get the save on Saturday despite walking two. He has three straight saves since the trade deadline. Looks like he's the guy as long as he can hold it, and we expect him to be very, very good. Alex Lang, Lang, Lang is no longer the closer in Detroit. They never officially named a closer, but AJ Hinch, when asked if he was the closer, was noncommittal about how he's going to use him. Jimmy Lambert got a two-inning save for the White Sox on Sunday. I can't imagine there's much there. Uh, Emmanuel Class A had some bad luck on Sunday. Three unearned runs for the blown save. Did give up four hits, but one of them was a misplayed ball in the infield. Trevor May had one of the weirder blown saves you're going to see. He retired all five hitters he faced and took a blown save. Because he came in with a runner on third base and gave up a sack fly. But I saw still, he got the win. I didn't that's weird. Yeah, he ended up getting the win because he pitched the ninth. Uh, David yeah. Bednar blew a save on Friday, and Edward Alzale got the save on Sunday. After allowing two run runs on Saturday, he's the clear guy for the Chicago Cubs. And let's wrap up with to stream or not to stream. Does Seth Lugo even count for this? And would you stream him against the Dodgers? Well, I have him as a one of my higher sleeper pitchers for this week. So I guess I'd have to say he does count and I would stream him against the Dodgers more than any of these other guys you've listed here. All right. How would you rank these three? Gavin Williams versus Toronto, Hyunjin Ryu at Cleveland and Dane Dunning versus Oakland. I would rank them Dunning, Williams, Ryu. Probably not expecting another 11 strikeout effort. From Dane Dunning this time out, though. Even against the A's, yeah. Uh, Tuesday. Uh, I, I, there's some interesting options here. 
Unfortunately for Brandon Fott, coming off the best start of his major league career, now he gets the Dodgers. You're not using him in that one, right? I am not. Uh, who do you like on Tuesday? Braxton Garrett at Cincinnati. Clark Schmidt against the White Sox. Miles Michaelis at Tampa. Not liking any of these. All right, well, maybe there are no interesting options, and I just lied to everybody. How about that? Uh, you know, stands to reason. All right, that's going to do it for Fantasy Baseball today. We'll be back on Monday evening, Tuesday morning uh, with hopefully Frank Stample back. We'll see you guys then.